Hello and welcome to this autumnal episode of Braving the Stave with me, JJ. And me, Haz. How are you, Haz? Very well. No complaints. Bit of a weird week. What about you? You look cosy in your Tom and Jerry top. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I am recording in pyjamas. Well, they're very posh pyjamas. Thank you. I've had a bit of a wonky week, if I'm honest. Uh, Things gently going wrong, enough to just throw me a little bit off the track, but nothing too serious. Mm. How about you? Well, yeah, kind of the same. I've been teaching, I've been playing. I've had a weird one in terms of like my timings, because I teach every morning, and then I go back to sleep, and then I get up and start my day again. (laughs) What time are you teaching in the morning then? (laughs) I set my alarm for 7.45, which gives me enough time to make a cup of tea, get onto Zoom, and then I teach a few people every day from 8 till 8.30. That's keen. Yeah. Does that work? Are you both early birds? Um, I'm not. And I, I get the sense that she's not either because she's always like kind of in pyjamas as well. <laughs> so, but I like that. And it's more like a practice buddy. It just, it gives her the confidence of what to practice the rest of the day. Um, and it makes me feel like I've done something before I get up and, you know, officially start the day. Do you know what I'm taking away from this house? Mm is that we should do more activities in our pyjamas. Absolutely. The drive here was sublime. (laughs) Freeing. (laughs) No matter the traffic, you're in your pyjamas. You don't care. I don't care. I don't mind it a bit. And neither does anyone else. You've got your Tom and Jerry top on? Life's bliss. So what is your relationship like to improvisation? For that is our theme. Ooh. This podcast. Um... I won't lie to you. When I heard about this theme, I was scared, but not as scared as I was a couple of years ago when someone said, can we just improvise over this scale? I would, I would leave. I would make all the excuses in the world. I would go make a cup of tea. I would go to the toilet. I hate (laughs) it. So what changed? Pandemic. Coming out of the pandemic and now playing like folk fiddle sort of stuff with bands. Ah, you've got your folk hat on. Exactly. Right. And it feels like almost I'm playing a character. I'm like, here's me pretending to be a folk fiddle player. You see, I think you're only one glass of wine, I'd say, away from being a brilliant improviser. Thank you so much. I will take that on board and bring a glass of wine next time. But I feel like I'm not alone in my sort of fear of improvising because I ask some friends, colleagues, punters, family, um, what they feel about improvising. They all play different instruments. um, They're all quite different, but they're all classically trained. And their answer was fairly similar across the board. I can imagine the similarity, but let's have a listen. I play guitar and sing regularly in front of lots of people, but if you asked me to improvise on my violin, I would immediately freeze and have absolutely no idea where to begin. I have all the building blocks of music theory from exams and revision in the past, but yet if you asked me to improvise, I'm pretty sure I would have absolutely no idea what to do. Hello there, my name is Llewellyn Jones and I'm a harpist based in London and studied in Cardiff. Uh, regarding improv phobia as a classical musician, um, it's something that uh, I never really experienced as a musician. I, I did struggle at the beginning, but you just push through it in a way. Um, what I do have is that some days I have a great day where 
I may play in a wedding and I have a little pop song that I could make into a classical grand fantasy in just a moment of time and then the week after I could do try to do the same thing and do something else with it and it could sound like a child trying to start learning to play the half. So as a classical musician, improv is something that I've always been absolutely terrified of and have just avoided like the plague. Um, To be honest, I think it's down to the way that I was taught. I've always had sheet music in front of me. Um, Lately, I have had a go at it though, and it's actually not nearly as bad as I thought. Um, So in answer to your question, I think it's because we're not actually trained to do anything like Unlike the jazz course in conservatoire, they're taught from day one that it's important to improvise and like that's what musicality is all about. But for the classical music course, like if you go to study it, then from day one you sit in orchestras and you've always got it there, so you're just not you're not like taught how to improvise. Um, and I think as musicians are normally perfectionists and we talk about technique a lot and how everything needs to be perfect. Um, you can kind of think of that in uh, as soon as you take the page away it has to be perfect and actually the thing about improvisation is it's never perfect it's just what you want to do with it and that's never going to be perfect so I think it's that like perfectionism also combined with not talking about it and afraid to do something wrong when actually there's no wrong way to do it. Well it was just the harp that bucks the general trend there of being slightly scared yeah of improvisation and maybe because the harp is so large and in charge that and maybe their training as well they're more of a soloistic instrument whereas you wouldn't you know my friend saying hey get your horn out at this party let's let's hear some horn riffs is not something you usually want to hear it's sorry no offense (laughs) no it's not part of the culture of uh, a classical musician just to riff and groove um, which is fair to say in the way that it is for a jazz or world musician or or folk musician Um, and yet I'm pleased to say that improvisation contrary to what one of your interviewees was saying um, is becoming a little bit more integral to conservatoire studies Mm. And I, I just thought I wanted to debunk some myths here around improv. Is that okay? Great. I, w- I really wish you would because I would love to be able to feel more accepted almost into that community and therefore more confident to do more improv. Okay. Well, the first myth is that classical musicians can't improvise or won't improvise. Mm. I can say I was at a conservatoire last week doing some training and everybody took part without any problem. You know, it was almost as if... Oh yeah, okay. We'll we'll give this a go. They were brave. They just dived in, and I think you know perhaps five years ago even that would have been less the case. But they're sort of more used to being asked to do that now, mm. and see the point of it. You know because they know that their professional portfolio will probably include going into schools doing community music, or having to improvise for a contemporary classical piece of music. So I suppose they're more up for it in that way and you know what they sound fantastic so the improv quality is is right from the get-go it's brilliant so classical musicians can and will do improv even if they're not being paid even if they're not being paid amazing and as part of their training second myth um there's no such thing as a wrong note we like to say that all the time yeah 
there is such a thing as, as notes that really don't fit. You know, if I play an E major over, uh, I don't know, a G7 chord, it's going to sound pretty awful. And, you know, fair enough, you can be a half a step away from the right notes or mm. a note that sounds a little bit more consonant, but that's true of any music. Um, and so it, it does help, actually, to know just the basics of theory, to know which scale or mode fits which with which chord. And that you can pick up actually within two hours and you're, you're flying. Right. I promise. Yeah, I, I was, when you were saying that, I'm glad you say that because when people say there's no such thing as a wrong note and then you do play a wrong note, it's pretty <laughs> howling and people like, <laughs> your band members notice, you definitely notice. And sometimes the audience notice or they, I usually just close my eyes and pretend I was being really jazzy. But I suppose in terms of wrong notes, it's more of maybe like if there's a really calm bed of sound or harmonic um sort of loveliness going underneath and you start come crashing in with these double stop chords like really choppy that for me would be more of a wrong note because you've completely missed the entire vibe of the improvisation yeah you're on the wrong stage you're doing the wrong play yeah uh, unless <laughs> you're trying to provoke and disrupt and that's yeah. your role or whatever but um but yeah i think um you know that that is part of it the uh, the learning of the skill and the craft uh, that comes with improv. You know, creativity is a muscle. You do have to to work it um, regularly to mm. see gain. And, and finally, third myth that I'd like to debunk, it's not just about winging it. It's not just about sort of mystically going free. Mm. Yeah, it's part of it and that's the joy of it. But as we've just said, you know, there is a body of knowledge that you can acquire and that's really, really useful. In fact, when... Uh, a violinist asked the famous Stefan Grappelli, mm. the jazz violinist, you know, um, why, he said, my, why, why, why are my solos not working? Why, why are they not sort of taking off in the same way that yours do? And he said, well, are you improvising them? And the other guy said, yeah, of course. He said, well, there's your problem. In other words, you know, Stefan Grappelli was preparing a large proportion of his uh so say solo yeah uh and and he knew exactly where he was going to go he knew the riffs he knew the patterns and often that's the case with a, a really well-crafted jazz solo you know you've got very firm starting points and then you let yourself go free from that sort of position that's really cool so you can prepare for it um, and it's that dance between preparation and spontaneity. Spontaneity, yeah. I thought we could just take a little look now and sort of narrow the focus onto Western art music and just look at different forms of improvisation within classical music. Great. And it starts with embellishment and ornamentation. And here is a lovely example of Andrew Manza and Rachel Podger rock specialists doing the middle slow movements of the Bach double concerto. Oh. We'll hear just the statement of the main theme first and then through the wonders of technology we're going to cut to where it comes back and you'll hear how they embellish that tune so beautifully.
that is so beautiful and really pulls on the heartstrings. Every time, though. You know, it's one of those words that you can come back to again and again. It really is, isn't it? Not just saying that. No, no, it is lovely. And it feels like when we heard the first theme, it's like when you go to a friend, like, okay, basically this is this is what happened. And then you embellish it more than the more you go on and you're saying, adding more detail and more detail to it. And the story becomes deeper, has more depth to it then. And it takes incredible skill to embellish in the style of the period or what we think was probably the style and to do it in this context in such a way that both the violins have a, such a natural conversation. Yeah. I just, I love that version. That, as I say, uh, Andrew Manza and Rachel Podger doing what they do best. I just wonder, after listening to that, do you reckon when they were recording, did they do the same improvisation or embellishment each time? I think like Stefan Grappelli, there'll, there'll be a sort of a, a pre-rehearsed element to it mm. but who knows because it still feels spontaneous the way that they're playing it feels like fresh and new even though this piece was written hundreds of years ago yes yes I like to think that it's in the moment mm. but uh, they'll, they'll have tried out lots of different versions that of that we can be sure so here's a little test for you and I think we should have a treasure swap Ooh, at this stage okay. so I am going to play to you um, well it's by Gabriella Montero, mm -hmm. who is a great improviser. We've featured her before on our podcasts. So she's been asked uh, to improvise on two tunes. Your task oh. in this treasure swap <laughs> is just to try and name the two tunes. Right, okay. Here we go. two tunes were amazing grace yep. got that one straight away one in the bag but i had to have help with the second one because you said listen to the left hand mm -hmm. line oh to joy yes yes, yes. <laughs> don't they go well together yeah really nicely jazzy as it turns out she's just a genius i've seen her uh, well actually i haven't seen her live do this but i've seen plenty of youtubes where she's at a concert and she asks the audience to sing their favorite song Mm. And it can be quite a long song, frankly. And, and uh, what's interesting is that she allows them to do that and <laughs> just takes a snippet, yeah. you know, two bars, and says, oh, I'll just work on this. And then she pauses for about a minute, just staring at the keys, just thinking, OK, so how am I going to treat this? Mm. Launches in, and then it just feels as if it's, you know, perfect for a CD. When I was listening to that, I was thinking of her sort of like a musical magpie just mm. taking the best shiniest bits and saying okay what can I do with this and I yeah I thought that was really cool I think we should all be musical magpies mm. I love that thought and um, I'm actually always asking my students to be magpie -like. are you yes to listen more and to grab things more you know actively out of what they're listening and, yeah and yeah be creative with it maybe having a scrapbook in your mind of your favorite music magpie moments that you can add to your improvisations later 
And actually speaking about being a musical magpie, I believe that I've already given you this treasure swap gift before. It's a re-gift. It's a re-gift. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, everybody likes a re-gift, I think. Good for the planet. Um, so this is Brad Meldow, Don't Be Sad. Oh, yes. Yes. And the reason I chose this is because it firstly is gooey and gorgeous and makes me feel feelings inside myself. And also because it's the first time I'd heard improvisation with traditionally orchestral classical musicians and instruments like the bassoon. Oh, that's right. And I think if you look up the YouTube version of this, you can see a a score scrolling across. Exactly. It's, It's really interesting to see which are the written elements and which are the free improvised elements. Exactly. And how the other instruments almost back away to give the bassoon and other instruments that are improvising a little bit of a limelight Mm. and then coming back into their own then once the improvisation is over. So it's a sort of give and take and I really love this particular recording and um, yeah, watching it on the screen is really interesting as well. Yes, I do remember that actually, but it was from a podcast, I think, way back, over a year ago. Years ago now. (laughs) So we can allow that one, definitely. Thank you. Uh, Can never have enough of Brad Meldow. No, so cool. So we've covered embellishment and ornamentation. Hmm. Um, How about, let's go into the organ loft now, because this is a a classic locus of improvisation. Um, And we we often forget how organists are improvising, if not every day, then at least every week as part of the service, particularly in France, where it's uh, a cornerstone of their tradition. Hmm. And I thought it'd be interesting to hear one of the most famous improvisers of recent times, Olivier Messiaen at the keys and here he is improvising on a Gregorian chant theme as is often the case um, in the in the context of a a liturgy or service and this is Puer Natus Est so it's a a Christmas chant and I just love what he does with it I mean he starts in a non-Messian world and then pretty soon after you'll hear hints of his own language and Uh, more modernist leanings, I think. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm predicting a very different reaction from you. Gracious me. Well. <laughs> what a racket. You, yes, I thought you'd say something like that. Yeah. This reminds me of when it was the Queen's funeral and the organ was playing and I was watching it in a pub because we didn't have a TV. Mm. And people were being like, is that... Um, are they playing that right on the organ? It sounds uh, like he's making it up. And I was like, trying not to laugh because it was the most beautiful, you know, like grand, stunning music. And yeah, I, for some reason, I, I hear that and I get the same vibe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> immediately went into goodness gracious and giggles. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine though, you don't want to make too many wrong notes on an instrument like that in that kind of context, do you? I mean, if you've got all the stops pulled out, it's like, it's the equivalent of an entire symphony orchestra. I know. Decibel-wise. Can you imagine living next door to that cathedral? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, it wouldn't be uh, much of a lion on Sundays. I no, but amazing. I can see that great skill um, and musicality went into it because if anything makes you feel something, like even if I was like, goodness me, at least I felt something when they were playing. So that has an effect, right? Yes. Now, I, I need to confess, I feel that I'm a former organist. Oh, yeah. Now, here's the thing. I gave it up in my early 20s because it's not my instrument. I, I you know, I couldn't get on with it. Um, I wasn't up to scratch, you know. Two I, left feet. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> I mean, there. you know how you can relate to an instrument or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to acknowledge that the organ wasn't for me. That's honest of you. Yes. Mm. Uh, but I did have a crack at improvising and it is fun. Um, and it's there is something about having that many different sounds and voices and colours available to you that helps you as an improviser. You know, mm. you can pretend to be an oboe. You can pretend to be in an entire orchestra yeah. if you want. And that, that releases the improv, I think. So I'm going to move on from this slightly contentious area. Oh, good. No, just kidding. <laughs> out, out of the world of the organ loft. And uh, let's hear the sound of a forte piano being improvised right at the other end of the style and sound spectrum now. Um, this is a Mozart fantasia, or a fantasia in the style of Mozart. Mm. So this is when you need to improvise within, within the constraints of, in this case, the classical period and, and the harmonic traits and the kind of ornamentations that would be common to that time. This is a, a master of the craft, Robert Levin, uh, showing what he can do with a simple theme that, again, rather like Gabriele Montero, was given to him by the audience. And so he's being like Mozart. He's sitting at the instrument and just going on free flight. Thank you. 
the sound of a forte piano is not everybody's cup of tea. It wasn't what I expected. And it sounds a little bit like a honky-tonk piano when you walk into the, the cowboy tuning. saloon. Yes, <laughs> yes, let's be honest. But what did you think of just the fluidity of that improvisation? I much preferred that. I liked how you said it was, you know, within the constraints of Mozart's time. And mm. as well, because he's playing it on a period instrument. Um, it's like, go crazy, but within reason. Let's stay in budget, but push the boat out. He's one of the very few artists that can do it quite so convincingly. You know, mm. you really do get a sense of Mozart at the at the keys there, um, and we're reminded that composers across the ages, really uh, up to the late Romantic period, were first and foremost, or you know, uh, improvisation was a large part of their musical identity. Yeah, um, as it was for the general musical community. Um, so we just need to get back to a point where we've uh, revived that tradition, really. Yeah, come full circle. I think so, and we're getting there. You know. The wonderful thing is that improv is alive and well within the field of community music. And, uh, you know, every week I'm having to improvise two or three times in different community settings. And there's a lot of joy at just taking a very small idea that somebody's come up with mm. and showing, look, this is what we can create out of that. That's actually reminded me, um, this week my pupil, one of my pupils who's 11, came to me and said, Miss, in class, in music class, we're having to do an improvisation over the notes A, B, C, D, E. And she said, oh, it sounds like this. And she played the open A and E strings together and said, oh, we have to play notes over this. And I was really excited because I was like, great, yeah, let's do this. And so she played the drone whilst I improvised, first of all, for four bars. And then we swapped. And it felt amazing because here I am, third new one. And here <laughs> she is, like 11 years old. And we're on the same level playing field. We're, we've got the same notes. We come up with different ideas. And each one is like, yeah, that sounds cool. It's a very levelling thing. Yes, it felt great. It felt exciting. It sounds really lame, but like she was teaching me at the same time. But I just mean I was thinking on my feet as much as she was. And that's really cool. And the other thing that you find when you're improvising together in a group is that you begin to get to know each other in new ways because you are putting your musical personality out there when you self-express in that way, in a way that you don't when you're fixed to notation. Absolutely. So maybe I'm actually not as scared of improvisation as I thought at the start of this conversation. Throw away the safety net of the notated score. Oh not God. just you, but everybody. Because you'll find actually when you do that, then improvisation acts as a gateway into a new world. You know, it's, it's, it's just that first leap of faith. You know, it only takes just improvising, as you say, just with two notes mm -hmm. and then three and then five and then eight. Um, and then you're off done easy easy peasy so that's my encouragement to everybody listening <laughs> if you like many of us have shared uh some kind of improvophobia in your musical life there's your encouragement just give it a go and so in inspiration of our improvisation are there any concerts coming up that might feature improvisation <laughs> I, I like what you did there because <laughs> frankly i had forgotten right to plug, um, well, this Mozart Piano Concerto played by none other than Paul Lewis, <gasps> who I don't think is known for his improvisation, uh, but he might, I don't know, he might improvise the cadenza, the cadenza being the solo spot in a concerto. Um, normally people play the one that has been written out, but we'll see, see where that goes. That's going to be with the Belgian National Orchestra in St. David's Hall 
on Wednesday the 9th of November and it's always a treat to see Paul Lewis in action. Very exciting. Improvising or not. Yes. I thought just to see us out as we could go into a non-classical world and remind ourselves that it's not just about classical music when we talk about improvisation. Of course not. Mm. Um, I thought I could return to a very dear memory, which is taking my son to Madrid to see some flamenco together. <gasps> oh, cool. And it was so thrilling to see those performers, not just the musicians, but also the dancers, apparently improvising in such a complex way mm. um, that everything sort of slotted in perfectly when it needed to. And yet you had that passion and freedom. 